Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Wherever you are, this is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and mine. just by the skin of her teeth. <laughs> Very out of breath, Mon. <laughs> Quick, ask what I'm grateful for. Okay, what are you grateful for? That I didn't get a spinning ticket all the way here. <laughs> you know what fascinates me, Mon? <laughs> What's that? It's your ability to be able to... Get here at the very last minute. Very last. I think that's the closest. Last I've, second. Yeah, that's the closest I've ever done it. I mean, I've been late before, but that's the closest I've come to it. And thirty-four seconds make. on the clock, yeah. and Mon is coming through yeah. the door. Yeah, and the, the stupid thing is, like, I had extra time this morning because I decided to shower after I go to the gym after the show, which I usually do beforehand. So I was like, oh, I have extra time this morning. I can just like take it easy. It's <laughs> like, always when it happens when you think you have some extra time, and so you just start like taking it easy and. Being a bit of a lush, that's when you end up being like late, super late. Anyway, what are you grateful for? Well, I'm kind of grateful, grateful you're here this morning as well. I was thinking this is going to be an interesting adventure doing radio all by myself. I'm not sure what our listeners are. They're probably going to get a bit bored with my voice by the time this is all over. But uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to run with exactly the same thing as you this morning. But you know what? I still managed to prep, still managed to prep my radio. Right here already. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Actually, I'm super thankful I did my taxes um, yesterday. So, oh, um, good on you. Yesterday, the day before. Good on you. So, um, yeah. I'm also, I actually wanted to be really grateful for housemates because I have like the best housemates. We have so much fun. And uh, a couple of nights ago, we were playing Scrabble and we're having a giggle. And uh, my housemate, Jazz, and everyone knows Jazz because she was producer Jazz, well, producer Shell oh, yes. was away. And, um, we were having a laugh and something happened and she laughed so hard. She threw her head back and then came back down, but with such exertion that she actually completely face planted the table. <laughs> she was like, ma ha ha, Oh, we died. We had to take like a 10 minute recess from Scrabble because we couldn't put it together. <laughs> so much. I think she had like a Scrabble tile imprinted on her forehead. She, oh, it was great. Best Scrabble game ever. <laughs> you, you guys have way too much fun in that yeah. house. There's, there should be a law against this, I think. <laughs> Anyway, great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app.
Welcome back, guys. That was Savannah Ellis. Love you. Never let me go here on Faith FM. Mon, give us our first clue for the quiz. Okay, this is a Who Am I quiz, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Clue number one. I'm going to mix these all up because I reckon the first one's pretty easy. All right. So clue number one. Isaiah chapter seven and verse 14 speaks about my birth. Isaiah seven fourteen speaks about my birth. You're reaching for your pen. You're writing it down. If you think you know the answer, like Lyle, Lyle does. If you think you know the answer, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. I, want to say I, really, I, really, I really wish the answer, the, mm. the, the clue had not given the verse. Oh, wow, 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 Lyle. Because there's... Um, there's something. So there's there's another there's another name in that uh, um, in that in that passage that is you know kind of relevant to this um, discussion, but it's a very cool name. Well, yes, I'll, I'll keep I'm it really for another nervous. clue. I'll keep it for another clue. Maybe, maybe. when we run out of clues, you can pull that one out. But I, I want to say this is a fairly easy clue, and I've chosen this person's brother has stop stop stop. This person has a brother. Just turn off your microphone. There you go. Turn them off. Turn them off. We don't need to hear Lyle. Uh, I've chosen a pretty easy quiz this morning, I want to say, to, to take us out. It is the end of the week. Our brains are turning to mush. Uh, we're getting ready for the Sabbath. Are you ready to come back on air now, Lyle? Are you going to behave yourself? Okay, I promise. Okay. He's promised to behave. I seriously, my finger is hovering over this mute button. <laughs> <laughs> I got some good Nobody's news. Nobody's going to know that this person's <laughs> Just mute. Just like that, Lyle. It's so easy. You keep talking. I'll keep muting. We can do this all morning. <laughs> <laughs> Where's he? Go? Why are you standing up? No, no, no! Shell, producer Shell, he's just attacking me. He's trying to take the mute button away from me. <laughs> Suckers! Like you can't grab it when I'm hiding under the desk, can you, Lyle? <laughs> oh goodness! If only there was a camera in our studio, you could show Lyle trying to wrestle me. For if the only mute you button. were Lawson. <laughs> you could just, just rugby tackle me to the floor. I just pound you into the ground. <laughs> he can't close line a girl. <laughs> yes. Okay. I have control of the iPad, which has the mute button on it. And uh, <laughs> it's definitely the one advantage. I do know girls learn that pretty quick in primary school that you can hide stuff from boys because <laughs> there's always a line they won't cross. <laughs> anyway, I have some cool news I want to show you, Lyle. This is giving right. me the giggles. The giggles. This is coming out of... Uh, More giggles than last night? Yeah. Well, no. No, nothing as funny as producer Jazz face plant in the Scrabble table. <laughs> Every time I think about that, it gives me the giggles. Okay, get this right. Um, so Californian professors have uh, decided to take steps themselves at the US-Mexican border because you know how they have built portions of this wall, right? Yes. They decided to uh, start creating uh, a, a new, a powerful new architectural addition to the wall. Yes. <laughs> uh, that is uh, creating uh, uh, some love between the two sides. They've basically installed seesaws. Yes, I've, I've heard about this. I've heard <laughs> Isn't about that this. just it's the very, best very... thing ever? <laughs> so they've attached these like long seesaws because the wall ha- is like a slats. It's more like slats, right? Just uh-huh. yeah, yeah, beams that go up. And they've just put, uh, they've attached um, seesaw beams going the other way, going horizontal and uh, and, le- and levered them in the middle. And then the Mexican kids are sitting on one side and the American kids kids are sitting on the other side and adults as well and everyone's just having a 
jolly good seesaw. And I got to tell you, I wish I was there because these seesaws, which have been painted <clears throat> bright pink, these seesaws look like so much fun because they're really, really long. You know, the long seesaws always show me the fun seesaws, but this looks so much fun. So these two California professors are Professor Ronald Rael and uh, 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 Virginia Sanfrantello. Um, they're actually uh, immigrants themselves, and so they know how ridiculous this hate between the two parties is. And, uh, and so they decided um, this is in, this is in Sunland Park, New Mexico, and uh, they decided to build the teeter totter wall because in America they're called um, teeter totters. Yeah, they're called, yeah, not called the seesaw. Yeah, teeter totter. Teeter totter. Yeah, teeter totter wall into the border fence, separating the. So how did they do this? Was what I want to know. Did they just walk up to the wall with an oxy set and cut a hole and then shove a teeter totter through? No, no, no. Because seesaw. No, because the the fence, the wall is like in this section. It's not so much a wall, like a concrete wall. It's basically like imagine a big metal beam shoved in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then right next to it is another one, and then right next to it is another one, and there's nothing actually connecting the two of them there's just not enough space for anyone to pass through okay so there's uh, there's an existing gap they've just existing utilized gap. the yeah. existing gap yeah so instead of having so like, somebody was to to mount a legal um challenge to it they could say well we actually made the gap smaller we made it harder to get yeah, through. Yeah, that's it. that's exactly what they could say. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Because uh, you know how you have like your fence posts, right? You have your fence posts and then you have your, your beams that go across. They've just done away with the cross beams and just made really close fence posts. Yeah, lots of, yeah okay, okay. Yeah, I understand yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Which right. I guess is a simpler so, way of building a fence. You just got to stick holes in the ground instead of trying to figure out how to attach and then, you know, keep up. And, and I'm assuming they do this without um, invading Mexico? Well, no, because the Mexicans were like, we're down with this and they're down with that. So who can really complain? Like they've, they've, it's like they found a legal loophole. See, so you can actually reach through the wall and touch Mexican airspace. You can with your hand. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. There you go. It's, cra- it's that's, crazy. That's legal or not? That um, that that Mexican air is um, you know. <laughs> yeah, must be. <laughs> Might be more invigorating. You never know. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, the, 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 I'm hoping to go to Mexico next year. Dude, you should go right. Have you been to Me- Have you been to Mexico? I have never been to South America. Very upset about that's that. That's not South America. Mexico. Mexico is not South America. How is it not South America? <laughs> uh, to me, anything below North, anything below the USA is South America. It's called Central America. I'm, to me, anything lower than the United States is just all South. It's all South of the US. Okay. Well, anyway, you have three Americas. Yeah, I know. North, Central, South. But yeah, yeah. I lump it all together in South. Um, but I've never been anywhere outside. Like, You've the, never been South of the, yeah, the US. Unless you're counting things the off the coast. Okay, so you've been to the Caribbean. like Puerto Rico and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Are they are south? they are they continentally the Americas? I've not looked at it. I would have thought the island yeah, probably. probably. I would have thought the, the islands the around the landmass would have been just lumped in together as being continentally that. I don't know. We'll have to I don't look know. At that. There's so many ways you can slice the continents. <laughs> I think we should just do away with the continents because the one between Asia and Europe has never. Agree. I've never been able to figure out. Yeah. What, what defines Asia and what defines Europe? Yeah. I mean, you know. Like, Israel is a part of Asia. Turkey is a part of Asia. Um, I remember when I was but, putting together my quiz, my quiz um, trivia night, and I wanted to ask a question regarding the continents, and so I googled uh, the continents, and there are literally so many different answers. There are to how many continents there, there are, is. and I was like, Do you know what? If we can't decide, why don't we just say there's none? Well, some of them are kind of obvious. You know, South America, North America are kind of obvious. Central America, not so much. Um, and then, but you know, Africa is a continent on its own. Australia is a continent, but Asia and Europe. Yeah, but some this people don't like think that of- Asia is um, that Australia is a continent on its own. Well, okay, it's a big island then. 
No, some people say that Australia is part of Asia. That's why it's Australasia. See, yeah, 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 what you're just yeah, saying, yeah, these things yeah, are obvious. Yeah, if you Google that, yeah, yeah. some people if you look like, at a map. If you look at a map, you know, some of us, it's just like, you know. The big chunks. Ar- the big chunks. The big yeah, chunks. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but where's the, what's the divider between, I mean, we get inside. The, this is another thing. Asia and Europe. You're a European. So tell me, what is the divider between the two? What, what is connected, the, right? defines it? The, the yeah, land, like, the landmass is connected, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, Massively connected, like right across the. Hi- but this is the thing continent. because they're not they're not just looking at a map and going what's a big land chunk. They're looking at um, the, there's so many different ways to decide how to divvy up the continents. That's why there's so many different answers to the question. So it's like it's like we'd never. So is Antarctica got a continent or an archipelago? Yeah, see, who knows? See if the ice melts, it's an archipelago made up, you know, a whole bunch of islands. Okay. But with the ice there, it's a continent. I'm going to say this continent. I'm going to say this between. Uh, five and ten continents. Okay, so <laughs> make up your scale. own mind in other words. Whatever you like. Just don't make it a it trivia question because you'll just confuse everyone. <laughs> in the last minute, Lyle, I just want to tell you some debate. really cool news. Uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi have both ditched uh, their, their association with the Plastic Industry Association. You know how sometimes, like, like you know when we, um, like the, the Smoking and Alcohol Association, like uh, there, there's lobbying groups that are pro-smoking and pro-alcohol, even though like everyone knows it's it's unhealthy and stupid. Plastics Industry Association, the PIA, is this one association that's lobbying the use of plastics and saying that we shouldn't be getting rid of plastics, single-use plastics. And so uh, they're very, <clears throat> very unpopular. And uh, there's been a lot of pressure mounting on Pepsi and Coca-Cola to finally cut ties with them. Um, they keep their membership uh, uh, private, so no one is allowed to know who's on their membership, um, even though Johnson & Johnson has been uh, revealed as being part of the PIA's membership. but No but, surprise there. But Coca-Cola and Pepsi have finally decided to cut ties, which is a win-win, win-win-win uh, for the planet, to be honest. It's Fantastic. great news, just really great news. Uh, so hopefully you're going to see some alternatives uh, very soon for the for the plastic bottles that you see, soft drinks coming. Really interested to see what they do. Maybe wood? Keep coconut wood? There's freedom 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Tim Moore with Come Go With Me. And while we were laughing at Mon for saying that Mexico was part of South America, well, I was laughing at her and saying it was part of Central America. It's actually part of North America. You know what? But Central America is further I south. I really don't care. <laughs> okay, give us a give us okay. a clue for a quiz. Who am I? Uh, clue number two. Isaiah 53 speaks about my death. Okay. So we had one that speaks about the birth, and now one that speaks about the death, both in the book of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Who can this be? Okay, if you know the answer, one 800 is the number. But we have a story coming out of New Zealand this morning where the New Zealand government is encouraging uh, their people, their population, to go uh, vegan and vegetarian in support, basically, of the planet and having a reduced carbon footprint. It's Excellent news. Okay, so you and I have long been an advocate of plant-based diets here, but this does create a certain level of tension, and I have a special guest who I've asked to come on to discuss this with us. Rod Bailey, welcome to the show. Good morning. Now, Rod, um, I'm just sort of looking through uh, your list of qualifications here. You've been involved in agriculture for how many years now? On and off for most of my life. but intensively for the last four years, but that's been uh, the focus of our family's existence. Okay, you've also are uh, an advocate for plant-based diets um, and Correct. have founded several health institutions and operated health institutions uh, that have focused on you know, natural remedies, plant-based diets, lifestyle medicine, all of uh, these kinds of issues. And you're also an advocate for country living. Correct. Okay, so we've got this push uh, for um, a a push to move towards plant-based diets coming from New Zealand. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I reckon it's a fantastic thing, um, all things considered. So basically it's the Ministry of Health over there saying that, uh, um, you know, the choices, food choices that we make day by day can have a real impact, not only on the environment, as you mentioned, with uh, greenhouse gas emissions, because uh, agriculture produces an awful lot of those, um, but also a seriously positive impact on our health. So, um, you know, it sounds pretty good to me. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions based on that then, if I can uh, challenge you for a moment, because you and I recently did a trip through uh, Outback Australia. Correct. And it was amazing and it was awesome. And I did note that you were a keen historian of, uh, of all things Outback while we were out there. My question is this. As an advocate for country living rather than uh, city living, if, if this was actually to become a thing, let's say that we did this in Australia and we eliminated um, animal-based diets from Australia, wouldn't that force an enormous portion of our population off the land. Yeah, it, it really would. Um, you know, and for that to happen, we'd have to force people to eat as we think as opposed to making their own choices as well, which I think would be would be a terrible thing. You know, um, in Western liberal democracy, we believe in uh, the sovereignty of the individual and uh, the ability to choose what they do. And especially what they eat, I mean, for heaven's sake. So, but coming back to your question, um, there's a lot of land in, well, both New Zealand and Australia, um, that would instantly become, uh, unviable as a farming proposition, um, if everyone stopped eating meat. There's no question about that. And that would have a, a, a serious impact 
on those families that are involved in in agriculture on that side of things. And this is something, that, a story that we covered earlier in the year from New Zealand, where uh, New Zealand beef farmers were, um, you know, protesting against, really protesting against the the push towards plant based diets because it was doing them out of a livelihood. Um, but because you and I advocate for a plant-based diet, are we actually advocating for something at the same time that would push people into cities? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a definitely a possibility for that. Um, but I, I don't think, uh, farmers that are, that are producing, um, are producing meat need to be too concerned about that. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting that Australia and New Zealand are both in the top three, according to some statistical measures of, of people who are vegan or vegetarian. Um, and that has been growing in the last few years quite rapidly as, as, as the vegan uh, question becomes more popular as it's more agitated and people start making, you know, start thinking about both their personal health as well as the link to the environment. Um, but... I'm not sure, from my perspective, that there's going to be such a swing that um, there's going to be a dramatic drop in uh, in the amount of meat that's consumed. Uh, we we know that at different times, different uh, meat products um, fall in and out of favour with the consumer. Um, but I think there's an awful lot of people that are still going to eat meat uh, across the, uh, you know. Uh, for I don't know how long, forever, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think you're probably right there. Okay, so here's a, here's a question for, uh, for, for those who uh, are not involved in agriculture and really unfamiliar with agricultural practices. Why can't the farmers who are producing uh, beef and sheep and, and, and these kind of uh, products, why can't they just get rid of their animals and... Uh, Grow lentils. Same, or soybeans. I've literally been thinking that the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, just plant some lentils, dudes. Yeah, why doesn't that work? <laughs> Yeah, good on you, Mun. You're under the lentil thing. Uh, look, um, as as we saw as we went through the outback, there are huge swathes of land um, that are completely unsuitable for for plant agriculture. Whether it's a climatic thing like we had out there, um, you know, goats and 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 cattle can survive in that terribly arid country. Whereas there are very few crops that could survive out there. You know, there are there are um, date plantations here and there and there are some seriously tough people trying to do the tough work of growing uh, plants in that sort of environment but hey let's come back to New Zealand um, so much of New Zealand is so steep um, with their with their hills and mountains that it's completely un, unsuitable for for agriculture uh, for plants can I just so, interject like I just yeah. Is, is that not just an excuse? I mean, look at how far humans have taken industry in all fields. If we really wanted to grow plants in outback Australia and we stuck some money and some effort behind it and got, you know, rolled up our sleeves and got into the science, I feel like we could figure out almost anything. If there's only a few plants that we can grow out there, I figure we could figure them out and we could make it flourish. So we just... I, I um, think- I think we haven't tried. I think we don't want to. I think we just, like, to me it just sounds like an excuse. Like, oh, it's a too hard basket for that one. I think if we genuinely wanted to do it, we'd just do it. Look, there's, I think the key that you, you mentioned, though, was uh, throw some money at it. This, this is the challenge that, that farmers live uh, in an environment where um, 
they've they've got to have a gap between their their expenses and their income. That's what they live on, and, and unless the consumer's willing to pay what it costs them plus a bit to produce this uh, the food. Um, they they just don't have a business, and thus they don't have a livelihood on the land. So so and, theoretically, and with the soil that there is out there, we could you know throw up billions of acres of shade cloth and pump water down from the the, the, the monsoon in Queensland, but then we just never be able to afford to eat that food. Uh, that's the challenge, you know. Some people like the Israelis have done amazing things in their desert. Um, you know, they are leaders in irrigation technology, etc. And um, you know, they struggle with water as we do. The Jordan River's pretty well a muddy drain, the people that, that go there tell me. It is. Um, kind of so, less than that. Yeah, okay. But so there are so many factors that go into successful um, growing of, of, of crops. So we've talked about a number. One is uh, the, unre- let's taking the centre of Australia, the unremitting uh, heat. Um, secondly, we're talking about um, the paucity of water. There, there is underground water available at some places, but much of it is saline and not suitable for crops. Um, then we're talking about distance to market. There's not very many people out there, and by the time you transport uh, food long distances, relatively low-value food, as I say, because of what the consumer is willing to pay for it, um, the, the cost of getting that sort of uh, food to market could very well be prohibitive unless it's a very high value crop and this is why um, cattle have found a niche in the outback is because they're a relatively high value um, commodity Um, large numbers of them can be transported at relatively small uh, cost and they are just tough they can survive in that environment Um, you know we see what sort of plants grow there naturally Uh, what is it um, Spinifex <laughs> <laughs> you know, is saltbush um, and it's you've got to make some serious modifications to the environment to be able to grow much else. Yeah, fantastic Rod, thank you so much, we're out of time but uh, as we finish off, just a quick shout out to old mate at the Birdsville Hardware who was growing some vegetables in his backyard but, <laughs> Wasn't um, he a champion? Yeah, it was the best day <laughs> anyway, this but, is, You uh, know, I'd just like to close on this there's, there's no doubt, the science is telling us from every direction that a plant-based diet is vastly superior um, Meat is now classed as a class 2 carcinogen by mm. the World Health Organisation, so Anything we can do, Mon, um, heading in that direction, personally, um, we're we're taking good steps for both our health, our family's health, and for the environment. Look, just Um, vote me in as Queen of Australia. I'm pretty sure I could fix this whole problem. Yeah, good (laughs) on you. But, but, you know, I don't think we can close this discussion without a shout-out to those those people in the country that whether they're they're growing fibre, whether they're growing uh, meat, or whether they're growing veggies or whatever it is so many are doing it tough and our thoughts and our prayers are with them yeah and thanks for feeding australia thanks russ this is the downing family with journey on believer the bible story as it's told said a man named joseph had a coat it made his brothers green with jealousy They sold him into slavery He pressed on with bravery 
Till he was next in line to Egypt's king Journey on, believer, keep your eyes upon the Lord The road may not be easy, that leads to your reward family with Journey on Believer here on Faith FM and um, Mon, we have another clue for our quiz. Yes, just want to say sorry, I called Rod Ross before. That's right. His, name, his name's Rod... Rod. Grant? Bailey. Bailey. I was thinking of Ross Grant. I thought we were on the phone with Ross Grant. <laughs> sorry, Rod. <laughs> hey, Ross. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, calling Mexico the wrong thing, calling Rod the wrong thing. Anyway. It's Friday. Anyway, it's, yeah, amen. We will let you amen. off the hook. 
And because it's Friday, I've picked an easier quiz. And I think this is about to get super duper easy. Uh, clue number three, which is actually clue number one. <laughs> Hebrews 3, chapter 1, tells us to fix our thoughts on this person. Ooh, who might that be? 1-800-324-843 is the answer, if you know the answer to the Is the clue. number. <laughs> oh, is the number. Is the number. It is Friday, isn't it? <laughs> it's definitely Friday. It's definitely Friday. Uh, but 1-800-324-843 is the number to call, if you know the answer to the clue for the quiz, and there will be a prize coming your way. Joining us on the phone this morning, all the way from Victoria, is Chris. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Now, Chris, uh, just uh, Monica, just to let you know, uh, Chris was somebody that I met while I was down uh, in Victoria doing a seminar on relationships, and I actually had the privilege of staying in Chris's home and sort of got the impression that, you know, there is a story to be told here. Oh, cool. And so, Chris, we want to hear your story this morning. Uh, Chris, whereabouts were you born? I was born in China and grew up there. Okay. And uh, being born in China, growing up in China, what kind of a religious background did you have? I don't have any religious background. I'm an atheist. I was atheist. And hardcore atheist. Hardcore atheist. Is that is that the I norm? Absolutely. Is that the norm amongst Chinese people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were educated evolution. We grew up believing that without any doubt, and that's actually a truth to us. Sure. Now, at some point, you came to Australia. What was it that brought you to Australia? Oh, because I was a uh, I kicked off on a high school. I wasn't able to go to the university in China then. There's one university here that doesn't require doing any university entry exam, which is one of the university here. So I was like, hey, I got to go to university, so I go to Australia. Uh-huh, <laughs> fantastic. And, uh, of course, you know, we have a lot of Chinese students coming to university here in Australia, so you must have been, you know, I, I guess at uni you would have been in a somewhat familiar environment amongst other Chinese students, or was it just a totally different culture for you? How did you find that? Um, when I was in school, it's, it's, it's familiar to me, but at the same time it's very different because I don't really speak English at the time. Going to class, struggle, and going to the group assignment, I, you know, cannot communicate. I'm just sitting there and don't know what to do. And it's pretty different to me. Yeah, yeah I guess that, I reckon that would be pretty <laughs> daunting. Um, do, they, yes. do, they, do they teach English uh, in school in China? Is that, is that a skill, skill that you get a bit of um, background in or not? Yes, they did, but I didn't learn. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you did school in much the same way I did school. Yes, I was there, but I didn't learn so much. Um, and what were, you, what were you studying? I was studying accounting. So okay. I was decided to be accountant one day. Yep. That never worked out for me. Did not work out for you because the Lord had different uh, different plans in mind for you. Tell us about that and, and tell us about what happened. How did you How did you come to know Jesus? Uh, okay, um, so I was born in a Chinese family, a typical Chinese family, and single child, that says a lot. I mean, when you grow up by yourself, you tend to be a little bit more selfish than others. You know, don't, you, don't, you never learn to share stuff. And also, our education system has trained us very competitive. Um, there's no cooperation in school, so I was very selfish, competitive, and also my dad was a good cook. So I, when I came to Australia, I was pretty diabetic. Um, so it's pretty bad situation mm-hmm. where, where I was. And also, I never believed in marriage. Uh, just because a friend around me, 
almost every single one of them coming from a broken family. I don't like the way my parents interact themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I kind of determined I'm just going to date for the rest of my life. I'm never going to get married. So that's where I was. Mm-hmm. When I came to um, Australia, I was like, hey, you know, to extend this is, well, I have more freedom now what I want to have in China. So I can do whatever I wanted. And then one day it was interesting. Um, my church was doing evangelism around in the school where I was studying. And I praise God for whoever letterbox, uh, the brochure to my house where I lived. And I, I came home from school and I, I saw the brochure and well, actually it's not me. It was my girlfriend at the time. She came home. She saw the brochure. Uh, said that it's going to be a, a meetings at a school. I was like, who cares about religious meetings? I, those people are going to bring one shoe. You're not going to go. And but there's one line at the brochure says that free dinner. I was like, <laughs> uh, you know, that free dinner. I wouldn't have dinner. So what's the plan? And they said, how about this? Let's just go and we eat or leave. <laughs> you know, the people, the nice people, they're not going to, you know, talk to you or, you know, have to, you have to stay there. But like, okay. Uh, we very few reluctant, but we ended up going there. And we went to the meeting, and we just for food, you know, five of us went there. And after eating, all of them left about myself because I feel like if you eat their food, you better, you know, listen what they say. <laughs> That's like, uh, you know, moral thing to do. You know, yeah, it's polite, like it's obligation, polite, polite. You know, you, you can't just eat at least. So I somehow I, I believe the spirit of God me there I just sit in there the first uh, sermon I listened to was who changed the Sabbath I'm like what what is this um, you know beast around on the, on the slides I don't understand that but interestingly uh, what, what my Bible teacher later on was telling me about a prophecy I was like what and so after the whole sermon I was talking to someone they showed me the evidence about Chinese history how our history our character in, in our language tells about a Bible story. I was like, whoa, whoa, what's this? I never, I never encountered prophecy. I never encountered this kind of thing before. So it, it gets me interested into it. And after the meeting, and I start attending the, you know, they have this care grouping, and I engage into the sharing of prophecy. I was like, wow, prophecy. You know, he walks me through Daniel 2. If people have never said their prophecy, they know how powerful prophecy is. Oh, it is um, so powerful. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just I'm just sitting here listening to your story and I'm starting to conclude that maybe um, food is just as powerful as prophecy in this story. Uh, part hey, of, amen. Part of the Acts model of evangelism, the Bible says they continued daily in the Apostles' doctrine. That, of course, included a lot of prophecy. The Apostles' doctrine, Absolutely. prayers, and breaking of bread, in Bre- other words. Breaking the bread, that's ah, right. Ah, yeah, food right there. So that's um, right. you were obviously had connected with a church that was involved in all three of these um, aspects of, uh, of uh, evangelism and soul winning. Absolutely. So... I, I was really, after I started, you know, Daniel 2, 7, 8, I was like, whoa, this book is not a, you know, book written by man. This book is written by God. Because, I mean, which man, who who knows the future except you know, God? So after that, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And not just that, uh, as we as we, as we we studied the Bible together with my Bible teacher, Stephen, he's also the pastor today. And he was he was just visiting me three weeks uh, three times a week because he said that I was eating you know junk food I was eating white bread I was eating uh, just purely meat no vegetables I was eating just lousy and he's like no 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 you can't eat this anymore 
in order for you to appreciate the Bible, you got to eat well. I'm like, what do you mean by eat well? He took me out to the rich market. It helped me to buy vegetables and teach me how to cook it and just teach me how to live a better life. I was like, whoa, why is he treating me so well? You know, for a Chinese background, I was like, we are very suspicious. What does this guy <laughs> want, you know? It is an exchange kind of thing. Nobody trades you just out of the blue. So after a half a year, I was like, well, it just doesn't have an agenda. <laughs> all, all he wants to do is just, just treat me well and teach me to have a better life. I was like, whoa, this is something different. And my mom, my parents, was actually worried about it. I was like, hey, you got to be careful with the church stuff, you know? <laughs> People brainwash you, maybe to get you to do something illegal or something. I'm like, hey, not really. I've been in the church for half a year now, even though I'm most sleeping every service in the church. Um, but everybody is, is good there. So I, I keep coming, keep studying, and that's where I gradually start believing God. Um, then I read about the gospel. That really blew me away, which means uh, in the Bible, the gospel for me is simply, simply means rest. How do we take a rest? You know, when I was in a relationship. Um, you know, we, we live together kind of thing, and all I think about is myself. How do I use the relationship to make me happy? I remember uh, when I was in a relationship, uh, all I think in my mind is like, if I'm not happy within the relationship, I might also break up with you from someone else. So I've been doing that for a while, but never found the true happiness, you know? And also, also it's pretty selfish uh, uh, understanding. And I don't believe in marriage. I don't want to get married just one day. When I come to Christianity, when I come to church, especially one of the families, um, which is one of the elders of a church, when I went to his home, I was, I was blown away. Uh, six thirty, six six thirty in the morning. This elder uh, John invited me to their home to participate in their family worship. I was like, "What is this?" Six thirty in the morning. I thought, you know, you have a breakfast. It's pretty early. Mm. <laughs> and then I went to the house. I joined the family worship. What they were doing, I really blew my world away because I've never seen this before. So his son Samuel was playing. That, that this is like two thousand eleven. He was playing piano. You know, just like a family worship, and John was sitting on the couch. And after they started worship, I mean, before they started worship, his wife came along and sitting on the left uh, lamp over there on his uh, lake. And his little doctor, uh, daughter, uh, Hannah, climbed off his shoulder, and his other daughter come to sit on his violin. I was like, what? <laughs> what? What kind of family is a one man, three lady sit on him? And they just happy seeing him together. I was I was in tears. I was like, "Whoa! I never seen this before in my life." And just just like they start worshiping God, I was like, "Wow! Whatever they have, I don't know if it's true or not. I gotta believe this." So because even as even the lie in the Bible, I still want to believe it because that's can give me kind of family like this. I never seen it in my life. So I was asking, I said, "Hey, how did you have the family like this?" There's something even I don't I didn't believe. Marriage, because that's a marriage I looked at, I knew. I don't believe it. But this kind of family, it's kind of marriage. I want it. <laughs> As I asked the elder, I said, hey, what, what, what gives you kind of this family? <clears throat> Excuse me. And he put out his Bible. He said that if you read the word of God, God's word will give you this kind of family. I was like, wow. You know, prophecy and plus what I've seen the family and what Bible can do to people. I, I mean, <laughs> hey, regardless of what people say about Bible, I mean, <laughs> since then I would be studying the Bible and I get converted, especially 
learn about the gospel. You know, the, the Bible says that you're going to learn to rest in Him. What does that even mean? It means that we don't know a lot of this. We have to learn. Christ declared that I'm the way, the truth, the life. And mm. Bible also says that I'm love, which means that love is the way, is the truth, and is the life. So sometimes we we thought we know how to love people, but in that we don't know how to love people. But Jesus knows how to love people. We just learn how Christ loves, and that's actually how he works. Uh, that's a lot of listening that. I, I mean, I share it with my parents. My parents, um, the reason one of the reason why I don't believe in marriage because uh, the communication style my parents had it, it was very destructive. They try to put down each other, they try to contain, contend, you know. They, they, they criticize. I thought that's just normal. <laughs> in, in the marriage, that's normal. That's why I don't want them to believe in that. I don't want that kind of family. And then in the Bible, it says that love is patient and love is kind. Love is different than what my parents was practicing. I was like, oh, this is so powerful. Resting Jesus, resting in the way, it tells me only the way that Jesus does is love. Remember, I'll be learning, I'll be resting in him, I'll be learning his way, practicing his way. I feel like, hey, this religion enables me to love again. Before I don't know this, and now I learn. And also, mm -hmm. plus, um, house messages, you know? House messages is also rest. We're resting from eating too much, or eating wrong food, or burden the body. I've been eating, I've been calling vegetarian. Oh, you have something to say? I was going to say, you were. You, you mentioned that you're pre-diabetic. Has that changed since you became a Christian? Oh, yeah. I, I, my, 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 my indicator number was 6.1. I believe that over 7, you're diabetic. So my father, my grandfather is diabetic, and my father is diabetic. So, you know, people said, oh, you inherited it from your parents. But not necessarily the genes. It's more lifestyle, you know? We're eating just so much. And when I came to church, they educated me to, to eat well, to eat temperately. You know, I have a temperance in my life. This is also part of the gospel, resting in Jesus. I'm like, okay, I need to eat the right food in the right amount. And even though I'm still a little bit weak, but, you know, but my pre-diabetic is gone. My, um, the, the, the blood sugar index, what I call, uh, glucose or whatever the index is, it was 6.1 before I eat. And now I went, I went back to China last year. I checked in my, uh, uh, the, the index, the number. It was 4.1. Oh, so fantastic. back to normal. Yeah. And praise God for that. You know, I, I learned to love. I learned to eat right. All this are the same package of gospel to Amen. rest in Jesus, in the truth, in the way. Chris, I was converted. I'm like, hey, this is great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time here and I'm just sort of thinking there's a whole other section of this story but uh, unfortunately we wow. are completely out of time but thank you so much for coming on and sharing what God has no done problem. in your life and I just want to mention to our listeners that yes Chris has found love he, he is recently married and uh, living there in Victoria serving God as a pastor at the Gateway Adventist Church this is Sydney Wolverton Anchor Your Soul For God hasn't let me go Cause I've let him go many times He keeps amazing me With how he's changing me I'm holding on this time And I keep on telling myself Don't dig up what you've sowed in faith Don't give up what won't be replaced it's more than you would ever know Don't waste it now Let him anchor your soul 
Coming of the Lord 